our greatest act of free will is choosing to focus our own mind in a better way. When you change the way your focus is, you see a completely different life staring back at you. And if you continue on that path, you continue to focus your attention and you look for the evidence that the universe is not net neutral, it's net positive, and everyone's there to support you and you look for the evidence, you will find it. And when you focus your attention that way, you start to feel more in the flow, you start to get more ideas, you start to be more generous, and life starts to be freaking amazing. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. So I just wanted to offer some words of strength. It's uh, been a really intense few weeks and I know that all of us are affected by this and uh, I've definitely had a full range of emotions but on this roller coaster and because of my meditation practice, I can step back and I can be aware. I can be a witness to what's happening in my mind, what's happening in my body. And then I can choose where do I want to focus my attention? Where do I want to focus my energy? And what I want to do in this moment is remind us that in every moment of our lives, we get to become aware and we get to choose to not go into this unconscious part of our mind that just just becomes a pool of fear. But we can choose what our perspective is and we can choose to see with a wider frame and an expanded consciousness and what i learned along the way in my life especially you know when i spent three years living in jerusalem and i learned all this beautiful mysticism and torah when i learned at ucla and i studied mindfulness i i saw very clearly that human beings have the capacity to be a force field of love and that each one of us in every moment is being asked to make these tiny, tiny, tiny decisions in terms of how we think and how we act that can literally ripple and make the world a magnificent place. Like we have that capacity. And so it's especially in these times where things are really dark that each one of us needs to show up every morning every day and report for duty and be a light and be resonant and to fly above all the noise and not add our voice to the back and forth and the proving and the arguing, but to just be a force of kindness and love and compassion and humility. And ultimately, if you look throughout civilization, ultimately anything that's standing for hate is a loser's bet. And anything that is standing on the side of kindness and just being in a place where even someone who disagrees with you, you reach out to love that person, that you're constantly looking to be on the side of love and you're constantly looking for how to put that in the world, that is ultimately what moves us forward. This week I'm leading a workshop. So if you want to come be with me, it's free. I think it might be really beautiful and medicinal for all of us. We're going to talk 
about these concepts, but we're also going to talk about your unique gifts because God assigned each one of us to the world to offer a specific way that we can heal and bring light. We're going to talk about how you can be walking in that purpose and how you can even turn that into your life's work. And my theory is that everybody doesn't need a job because we're here to do our job, which is whatever that mission is, whether it's connection, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's baking, whether it's creating with our hands or with our thoughts, some kind of way to move the world forward. We're going to be talking about that. If you want to join me, you can go to kathyheller.com slash passion. Or if you want to upgrade for $47 and hang out with me for an additional hour every day, we'll be meditating, we'll be doing Q&As, we'll be talking about how to fully tap in to our greatest capacity and how to bring all of our dreams into fruition. You can go to kathyheller.com slash upgrade to upgrade to that. But we start today and it's going to be a phenomenal week and I'm so looking forward to it. I think we can all use this kind of focus right now. So today I'm going to actually share with you a Q&A I did on Instagram. You guys were asking me questions about life and about business and I think that this will be helpful for you. And this episode is light and it's fun. We cover a range of topics like different parts of business that get you to your first million dollars, how to show up when you're scared to be visible, how to get clarity on your offer. I'm going to share some book recommendations with you, how to navigate a partner who might be stressed more than you are. It's chock full of good stuff. So I hope that you find this helpful. Let's get into it. Hi, guys. I'm coming on here because I haven't done this kind of a thing in a while and I wanted to just see who's here and what kind of support I could give you right now. I want to be helpful. I want to answer questions. I want to give you some love. And I'm having a decent hair day. So it's like, why not? Why not be here? So while you guys are coming in, if you have any questions about anything and you feel like I can be helpful, you can put your questions in the chat. I'll tell you a couple things. I just posted a pretty embarrassing video just to show you like how I can like take one for the team. I posted one of the oldest videos. Actually, it was the oldest video I could find in my phone where I was promoting the first thing I ever promoted online. And I just thought it would be interesting for you guys to see that. I was super pregnant with my third daughter. And uh, that doesn't excuse the overall aesthetic um, at any rate. But I was just doing it messy. You can hear my two-year-old and three-year-old like screaming in the background. You can hear like, I'm just showing up, right? And my friend Craig posted a comment on it. He goes, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to wind up being great. And I think that's so good and it's so simple and it's true. We wait to be ready. We wait. And it's just like, you'll just keep on waiting because the way you get ready is by doing the thing, right? You give yourself this giant permission slip to be mediocre at first, and then you start to get better because anything you practice, you get better at. But you can also practice procrastination and you get better at that. You can also practice fear and you get better. Your mind gets even better at showing you the evidence that you shouldn't do something. So I just think all those things are interesting, but I'm seeing you guys are writing some questions. So I'm going to scroll through and answer as many questions as I can. If you have any questions about anything, whether it's an online course, business in general, making money, how to make your first million, how to grow that revenue, how to quit your day job, how to create cool content, 
I don't know that I can help with all things that life has to throw us. But some of those things, I feel like if you want to talk to me about, you know, meditation or my spiritual practices, I'm also happy to answer those questions. I just think um, we get in our own heads. Oh, and people can say like, where do you live? I live in Los Angeles or I live in Vietnam or I, it's like, no, you live in here. This is where you live. And so this is a really interesting place and it can either be awesome or it can be hell, right? And so it's important to have conversations like this because it pulls you out of this and you start to see clearer. It's like, oh, somebody like wiped off your glasses and now you can see. It's like the fog has cleared, you know? All right, so let me just scroll back to see if you have any questions. Okay, how do you get the word out about your company? Okay, so that's a question that somebody asked. You know, here's the thing. I was I was talking to a group of people yesterday who I was coaching. You know how you, at one point in your life, when you were a little kid, maybe you were trying to see if you could turn the light switch into, you know, that middle place. Like it's either on or it's off, but like you try to like put it. I think at some point, maybe people try to do that, but it doesn't work. It's either the light is on or it's not on, right? I think there's a lot of times when we aren't all in right? We don't have all in energy. It's kind of like, I'm doing a business, but it's like, no, it's like when you're really doing it, you're all in. And that energy, it, it counts for a lot because then, of course, you want to show up and talk about it. And the other thing to remember is that whenever you go to like a, a store like Target or something and they give you a receipt, there's usually like a little, what's going to call it, like a survey on the bottom why I mentioned that is because the way to really get the word out about a business is really and truly when you understand that if somebody is super duper satisfied, when somebody comes to you for anything, right? Because every business started with one client, right? It starts with one sale. If that person is fully satisfied, do you know what we, we've learned about that? We've learned that that person will be compelled to tell someone else. So you ever order something from Etsy? And this is just as an example. And not only do they send you the scarf, but they also send you like three Laffy Taffies and like a little note. And you're like, oh, I didn't just get this experience that I thought I was going to get. I got like a little extra. And then next thing you know, you're like, I'll order from that person again. Or I'm going to mention that this person's shop is like super cute. What we have come to understand is that when you focus on asking yourself like, the person in front of me, like how can I make their experience the best experience possible? They become your sales team. They will tell four people. And so it's not really about how do I get 400 million people to know about me? It's how do I get four people by the end of the day to feel so seen and so satisfied because then they're going to tell three people. So now you have 12 people and on and on and on. And that's just, I could go on about that, but that's the, my first few answers. Jade said, I didn't know you made courses. How did that start? I, it started because um, before I even had a podcast, I took Amy Porterfield's class on how to start an online course. And I had been a songwriter for 10 years and I started teaching a class about songwriting. And would you believe that a class on songwriting, and it was songwriting specifically for ads, film, and TV. That's how niche it was. That class made a million dollars in the first 12 months. And then it went on to make two and three million. And then it was one of my songwriting students, Amy Loftus, that suggested you should go start a podcast. And so the podcast came 
as an outgrowth of the class. And so that's how I started teaching courses. I'm just going to look and see. I'm building a business with the aspiration of being a beacon of light to people the way you've been a beacon of light. It feels so possible. It feels so good. It's so good, Sarah. And it's so true that when they zig, you can zag, right? You don't have to be any other way. You get to do it your way. And because that's what makes you unique, that's what's going to make you stand out in business. Like there is no such thing that in order for you to be in business, all of a sudden you have to do things in a way that feels salesy or that doesn't feel like you. I feel like for me, it's the opposite. If anything, my business has brought out more of who I am and helped me be more and more authentic. Thank you, Jackie, for saying that. She's like, I love your authenticity. Fit and pretty life. Hi. She said, how long was your first course, the videos, the workbook? So again, anyone who's known me for at least five minutes, you know that I don't rely on stuff like that so much, right? So for me, it was never about fancy slideshows or modules. It's like, I feel like I sound silly even saying that stuff. Like, come under my giant wing, kid. Let me show you the modules. It's like, here's what I've learned about people, especially when you're creating a course. Less is more in terms of the the content, but you know what they need a lot more of and not less? Your presence, okay? The truth of the matter is that all the information in the world is already online and it's all free. It's already out there. So has anyone ever seen When Harry Met Sally? He's like, it's, she goes, but it's already out there. He goes, oh no, call the cops. It's already out there. Do you want to let it lock? It's my favorite movie. Anyways, I digress. The point I'm making is this. All the information is already out there, which means when somebody's taking a course, if they want to learn how to do calligraphy, if they want to learn Japanese, if they want to learn how to make vegan burritos, I assure you, they can get all that information for free by searching the internet. The reason they're taking a course is for the implementation of that information. So what do people need to actually grasp information? That's the key. That's where they need you. And what they then need is accountability. And they need a person who actually has embodied that knowing to be beside them and to assist them as they have the courage to take a step forward and another step. Because all of it really, whether you're learning karate or you're learning business, it comes down to doing it, the execution of it. And then there's the mastery of the execution. So I don't know that people need tons and tons and tons of modules, but what I love to do is give people this. And so for me in my courses, it was always about, hey, here's the information we're going to cover. But what's even more valuable is that I'm going to show up live with you guys and we're going to be together every week on Zoom calls and we're going to talk through this stuff and we're going to work on it. And I'm going to give you homework and accountability. And that that me being there piece, I think, is what's really key. And as far as the information itself, what I did to prepare every course I've ever prepared is I found a person who wanted to learn that information. And I said, what are all the questions that you have? Because then I would remember, oh, this thing that's second nature to me, this person wants to know that piece and then that piece. And that would help me figure out, here are the steps from A to Z. Jade said, how do I make my first million? Okay, so this is really, really important, okay? The very, very first thing, and Barbara Corcoran said this to me. She said this about Shark Tank. She's like, when people come on the shark stage, I say, like, have you validated this? Has somebody bought it? And are they satisfied, right? 
In order to get to a million dollars, here's what needs to happen, right? You need to have proof of concept. So what does that mean? So the first thing that needs to happen is just like every other business, whether it's Honda or Coca-Cola or Apple, what do they do? They get a focus group together. What does that mean? They get data. They test it. They see before they go spend tons of time and energy creating something and putting it on the shelf. And they're like, we have pretzel flavored Coke. And you're like, I don't want pretzel flavored Coke. Yeah, they knew that a long time before they went and like manufactured thousands of cans of it. How do they know that? They tested it. They see if they can get proof of concept. So what I find is fascinating is that most people, this is where all their businesses die on the cutting room floor. It's like, where were you? You didn't even begin. It's like you talked yourself out of even knowing if you have proof of concept. So in order for you to make your first million dollars, it starts with going out. And the first thing you do is you give it away for free. That's the first thing you do. It's a sample. It's a test drive. It's a sample, right? So you have somebody taste the vegan donuts that you made and you say, do you like the texture? Do you like the flavor? This is just the first step, right? If you're going to do an organizing business, you offer somebody 30 minutes for free. I'm going to come to your garage. Did you like that? Was it helpful? What? And then here's the next thing. If they say, yes, it was helpful or yes, I liked the cupcake. You know what your next question is? What would you pay for that? What would you pay for that? And usually, if they liked the vegan cupcake or if they liked the organizing, you know what they're going to say right away? How much do you charge for this, right? I want 12 of these or I need four more hours of your organizing services. So you'll already know. And then you price your very first offer, right? Whether it's a class, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, you price it. Here's what you're charging for a massage. Here's what you're charging for floral arranging, whatever it is, right? If you have a customer who paid you, and now they're satisfied, oh my gosh, you have proof of concept, right? What does that mean? That means that now for that person who liked what you did and for that person who paid you happily and is happy, you can find other people just like that person and you can scale the business from there. And that is an amazing gift. So then you're going to say, okay, well, how do I get that from my very first sale to my first million dollars, right? Most of the time, and this is what people really need to understand. Business is really about two things, and I'll tell you what they are in a second. And it's the two things that everyone avoids. But when you focus your business on those two things, you can pretty much work like Tim Ferriss. I mean, that's extreme, four-hour work week. But you could work 12 hours and make a million dollars if you focus on the on working smart and not on just like spinning your wheels. Most of the time when people are working, they're actually working on stuff that they don't need to be working on. And so it's just a waste of time. But the reason they're working on the wrong things is because they're too scared to work on what really is needed. So what are the two things? Well, in order for you to grow a business, okay, you need visibility and then you need to make the offer. That's it, you guys. This is where most people, they just don't do those two things. So they're, you're like, what are you doing? I'm working on my website. Like, you've been doing that for seven weeks. Like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's like, what are you doing now? Uh, what I'm doing now is I'm noodling on the design or I'm thinking about it. And you're just like, none of this is actually doing, doing anything to move the needle. So what does it mean to be visible? And what does it mean to make the offer, right? You need to be doing that every single day. If every single day you are visible, meaning you are in front of a human, and telling the story of what the business is to a human being, you're in business. Imagine a store on Main Street that is closed all the time 
and then once in a while like opens up and then shuts its doors. Like that's not a business, right? So being visible is it really essential. Talking to the human beings who you think are the right people that you should be talking to who might have the problem that you can solve. The problem could be a better cup of coffee. The problem could be that you can help them with their kids. The problem can be that you're, you're a sex therapist. It doesn't matter. You need to be visible to those people. You need to be showing up and having those conversations every single day and then making the offer. The offer is the invitation to solve the problem. That's it. That's what business is. People overcomplicate this to death until they're exhausted. And then you know what they say? Nothing's happened. I haven't made any money. I'm like, where was the last time that you had the visibility to talk to the person who's your customer? They're like, um, so that it's like, nope, you have no excuse. Literally, I'm holding an iPhone right now on the other side of one little click with like a, oh, like I barely need to press it. I can talk to human beings all day long. It used to be a hundred years ago that we'd have to get on a horse and go miles to just try to find one person. And then you wouldn't even know if they were your person. Now the internet has done the deal, the deal for you. You can segment things. You know who's already interested in the problem that you have to solve because they're already following other kinds of things and, and liking kinds of things that tell you that they are the person who has the problem that you can solve. There's so much already out there. And so being visible and then making the offer. And then there are a lot of people who, they have tons of visibility. There are people who are like, I have a podcast. I show up on Instagram. Like, where was the last time you made an offer? They're like, so yeah, let me tell you. Um, I'm like, that's not going to work. You have to make the offer. Why don't people make the offer? Because people have a lot of blocks around money and getting paid. It's like, who am I to get paid? I feel like a charlatan. It's like why you're solving someone's problem. That is what money is there for. If you are on your way to a girlfriend's baby shower, you want there to be a store open that can solve your problem of meeting a gift and you're happy to pay so that you can bring the gift to your girlfriend's house. If you are uh, needing an oil change and it's a Sunday and that light has been on for 14 weeks in a row and it is just like, Game over, union oil change. You are grateful to see an oil change place that's open and you are happy to give them your money that they can solve your problem called changing the oil. People all day long are looking to solve their problems anyway. So here's the big smart A pants. Most people are like, well, I don't want them to pay me because I get all grossed out with sales. It's like, well, they'll go pay someone else. They'll go buy the jacket from someone else. They're going to go buy the cake from someone else. They're going to go get coaching from someone else. They could have just paid you. You're like, oh, that's a good point. So we need to let people be grown-ass adults. And we need to get really convicted about how we need to serve other people and show up and make the offer. And when you make the offer and you're visible every day, you will grow your business to millions and millions and millions and millions, as many as you want, because that is what it takes. And that is the unsexy truth, but it's actually so fun. And we can talk about why I find that that is actually so fun. <laughs> Sarah's like, can we just be friends already? Done. We're all friends. Jackie said, that's a huge truth bomb. Practice procrastination and you get better at that. Yeah. What's my daily routine? So I wake up every day, thank God. <laughs> and what do I do? I notice my thoughts, right? And I'm like, oh my God, there's that really unfriendly girl in my head. So I notice her and I try to read something that will put me back in a better state. That's like my, where I really want to be. 
And then I think about like, what's exciting that I can do today? What feels like growth? What feels like an edge? Like today, I had to set a boundary with somebody. And I was like, oh, there's a part of me that like doesn't want to set this boundary. But I was like, no, I need to say something. And so I send a text to someone that the old me would have not sent. And that actually felt really good. And then I just did a podcast and I usually put things on my calendar that I know are going to be stimulating and yummy and all of that stuff. And by the way, that is part of my daily routine is if you don't have anything on your calendar that makes your heart beat a little fast because it makes you a little bit scared, it makes you a little bit like have to step into your growth. If that's not already on your calendar, that's a problem because fear is super boring. Your comfort zone is not your friend. And when something's on your calendar that like it challenges you in a good way, you will grow from it. And that is actually the thing that your soul wants more than anything. I'll tell you what, I was putting off getting my first mammogram. I was just scared to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was just so, ah. And this past Monday, so two days ago, I went and got a mammogram. And then you know what I did? I doubled down and I said to the woman when I made the appointment, I'm like, can I also get an ultrasound? Because I was like, if I'm going to get it, I want to get as much as they can give me. So she's like, sure. So I schedule it. And I was so scared to go. And I was also knowing that I would be so proud of myself that I went. And you know what? It is paying such dividends because I'm thinking to myself every like eight minutes or so, I'm like, oh my God, I went and did that. I'm so glad I did that. I'm so relieved. I'm so happy. It was taking up so much bandwidth in my head. So my daily routine usually includes doing something that is a little scary, which I know is going to be ultimately good for me. Would love to learn how do you approach courageous leadership? Yeah, I mean, courageous leadership is such a gift because when you are running a team, when you are running a business, when you are running a household, it forces you to look at your own stuff. And everything in your own life, which is your own experience, is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. And so it is both brutal and it is also an amazing gift because you start to realize, oh, look how I don't know how to delegate or look how I am all over the place or look how I don't have an easy time accepting support or look how I'm quick to assume this about this person. And that is actually how I approach it, is a constant taking accountability that's the thing, by the way, is that what I've, what I've learned is that successful people take radical responsibility, right? We're not blaming other people for things because the truth is that is such a, like a loser's bet. When you take radical responsibility, you're like, oh my God. So what is the gift in that? What can I learn from that? How do I lead my way through that? And here's the thing. No one actually needs you to be perfect. No one needs you to be like the perfect leader that no. They just want to feel the humility and you grow more by being like, what is this teaching me about myself in this moment? That's how I approach that. What are the other questions? Thank you, Suzanne said. You're so helpful. I've learned to take action based on my commitment, not based on how I feel on any given day. Yeah. Having that integrity with yourself, being like, I told myself that I was going to start a podcast and then following through is a really good way to earn real self-esteem. Just like, be in integrity with your word. When you tell yourself, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to drink that water, because it's you against yourself. It feels so good to make a commitment to take care of what you said you were going to take care of. Suzanne said, how do you maintain that energy? Listen, 
How do you maintain the energy is the question. Okay. This is the question that everyone has, whether they know this is the question or not, because what's going on in here becomes a 3D printout in terms of what we're experiencing every moment of our life. Happiness is an inside job. Okay. What we are able to create in our life is just an extension of what's happening. Okay. Between our ears. Like, what is it? And so this is the question. And really our greatest act of free will is choosing to focus our own mind in a better way. That's it. When you change the way your focus is, you see a completely different life staring back at you. And if you continue on that path, you continue to focus your attention and you look for the evidence that the universe is not net neutral, it's net positive. And you look for the evidence that there are clues everywhere and everyone's there to support you and you look for the evidence, you will find it. And when you focus your attention that way, you start to feel more in the flow, you start to get more ideas, you start to be more generous, and life starts to be freaking amazing. That's the bottom line. Okay, what else? How do I show up and still keep myself anonymous? Don't feel comfortable out there. How can I start feeling comfortable showing up? Let me tell you something about showing up, okay? It's really interesting to me when people say they want to show up anonymously or they're afraid to show up or whatever it is because here's the deal. No one sees you anyway. Let me explain what I mean. People don't see you. They see what they're willing to see. People are projecting constantly. We can't not project. We That's just what we do. We are constantly making different meanings of things. So you could be sitting on a park bench next to someone on the exact same bench. They see a totally different park. They make totally different meaning out of the person who just walked by. They're in their head. They've had a bad day. They've had a good day. Their past usually is a replay constantly in their head, and they're projecting that scene into the future. So what happens? Two girls go out with the same guy, and one goes, he's so nice. And another one's like, he is such a jerk. And you're like, huh, same guy, two different people, came same way with two different conversations, right? So when you are thinking about showing up, Here's the invitation. The invitation is, it is not a problem that people have all opinions about us. Because here's the thing. They already have opinions about you and you're surviving it right now. There are already people who know who you are, who don't like you, who don't care for you. That goes for all of us. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? I don't like every single person that I've ever met. Do you? Do you really love every single person that you can think of? Nope. You are entitled to make your own meaning of things. So it's not a problem. And the other thing is that you don't have to control how people perceive you because you can't and you shouldn't even worry about that. When I go live, when I do my podcast, I know that everyone will see what they're willing to see. Some people will say, she's too positive. She's annoying. She's not real. Some people will say, she's so real. I love her so much. Some people will be like, She's not smart enough. She's too smart. She's too ahead. She's not ahead enough. I don't like the way she looks. She should fix her teeth. Why is she like this? She's too young. She's too old. It doesn't matter to me because it's none of my business. It's none of my business, right? The only thing that I do is I go into the world to do the thing I know I'm supposed to do. Like if I'm called in my own alignment, me and God, and I'm like reporting for duty, and the thing I know I'm supposed to do is step out of my comfort zone and share this or do that. That's all I'm, I need to be concerned about, right? And I get out of the way for everything else. And I am available. I'm available for the people who 
are willing to see me as I am. That's it. I'm not available to convince anybody. I'm not available. So if somebody comes in and they're like, no, not for me, I'm like, you're entitled to that. You don't need to like me. You don't need to think I'm smart. You don't need to agree with me. Nope, you don't. Guess what? People's tax dollars don't go to me. So they don't have to worry about me. In fact, it's so hilarious. When somebody takes the time to write me a bad review of my podcast, I'm like, it's amazing because your tax money doesn't go to me. Like, you're allowed to just unsubscribe. You don't even need to follow me. But oh my God, I triggered you so much that you had to go out of your way to write about how annoying I am as a person. It's like, that says so much more about you than me. Because how many times in my life have I not enjoyed something? Many. Like, there's times where I'm like, that service wasn't amazing. Or do I need to go online and write someone a scathing review? I don't have the time. I don't have time in my life to do that. But if somebody wants to do that, I'm like, I get it. it. I don't really think it has anything to do with me. Now, I will say, if I hear the same feedback from multiple people, I will 100% look at it and be like, that's interesting. I've now heard that same thing from six people. I think I want to look at that because I want to grow. Like, here's the deal. I'm in this for my growth. So for me, it's not failure, it's feedback. It's not rejection. It's like a nice redirect. It's like, thank you for that. I do want to work on that. I appreciate it. Like, why do I need to be above growing? I have a zillion things that I want to work on. I don't walk around going, hi, look at me. I'm done. I'm perfect. I've arrived. Like, who does that? Who do we know who's done, who's arrived? So I would say, Put yourself out there because it is an incredible gift in letting go of shame and no longer caring what people think of you. I will tell you that I have met people in my life and the happiest people that I have met are people who are in their own skin. They are authentic. And it is such a giant gift because you don't have to perform. You don't feel exhausted. You just say what you need to say. And then you're also respectful. If somebody doesn't like it, you're like, that's okay. And people actually appreciate being like, oh my God, she doesn't need me to agree with her. I'm like, why should you agree with me? Like, we're all so different. We're not going to think the same. We don't have the same taste in movies. We don't have the same taste in who we want to vote for. Why is that a problem? I think it's insane when people are like, how dare you even talk to someone with different views? It's like, what? Why on earth would you not be able to talk to someone who has different views from you? It's like, you are entitled. To That's called love. Love is called unconditional. Love is called you don't need to be just like me and I don't need to be just like you. And if you need me to be just like you, then that's your problem. You have a serious issue. Can you imagine being the kind of person who wakes up every single day and you need everyone to think like you? Boy, are you going to be dissatisfied. You're going to have a really shitty day. You can't control when everybody thinks and most people do not think like you. I walk around thinking everyone has their own upbringing. And everybody has really valid reasons for why they hold the opinions they have. So who am I to change their mind? I don't need to change their mind. I'm just going to be myself. Now, if I'm being myself and because of me just being who I am, that does open somebody's eyes, then that's cool. But I don't feel like it's my job to convince people to like me or see things differently. It's totally cool with me. Like we all are on our own page. And therefore, I would say, go out there, be yourself and let it go. Thank you, Allison. Just like, I love you and your podcast. My biggest struggle is that I have so many ideas and passion. Yeah, it can be really frustrating when you have so many ideas and passions. I get that. I am definitely like that. Like I am multi-passionate. I love writing music. I love playing guitar. I love 
podcasting. I love building businesses. I love helping other people build their business. I love meditation. I love spirituality. I love all those things. I feel like sometimes that can be a challenge because you get really in your head and you start overthinking it and you don't take a step until you choose one. And you don't have to choose one. Like you can literally decide for now, I'm going to pursue photography. And then I can always add the fact that I want to take a yoga certification class later. Like you don't need, and I would also say this, even though we all like a lot of things, if you close your eyes and you make a list of each of the things you like and you think about each one and which one just gives you a little bit of a feeling of like butterflies, there is one answer in here. There's usually like 12 answers in here, but there's one answer in here. And usually the reason that we don't tell ourselves that we know the answer is because we believe a lie called it's not possible. And so if we believe a lie called it's not possible, then we won't own the fact that we know the answer because we'll be like, well, the answer really is I want to open a bakery, but here's the reason it's not possible. So I'm just going to go over and over and tell myself I don't know the answer. When a lot of times you do know the answer. And the thing is, it is possible, right? There's usually a way that if you get resourceful, you can figure out how to illuminate that particular passion. I'm just going to see if there's more questions. Thank you for the hearts. What you said about business can be fear of taking action is so true. Yeah, everybody has that. And it doesn't ever stop. Because that's what we want. Like, what are you really in this for? You're not actually in it for the result. You're in it for the satisfaction you get from stretching yourself. The greatest feeling, honestly, is not having an achievement. It's who you become in creating that achievement in your life. And so, of course, there's always a fear of taking action because that's the reward. If you were made of tin and you ran into a burning building, there's no courage there, right? But if you do something courageous, that is the reward itself. Courage itself is the reward. You're like, I'm so proud of myself that I did that. Like my kids all went back to school, right? So we have a first grader, fifth grader, sixth grader. My sixth grader is having such a better year than she did last year. There is nothing that I could buy her that would feel as good to her as the feeling she has now going into sixth grade and having a different relationship with the kids in school. Because that is about her stepping out of her comfort zone and the reward she feels in being proud of herself for being courageous is like nothing else. And so everybody always has that, but we actually, we want it that way. Katie said, how long do you meditate for each day and do you meditate at the same time? So I don't actually always meditate every single day, although most of the days that I do, I think what's really cool to understand is that if you look at the brain, you actually look at it literally, there is tissue in the prefrontal cortex right here that actually gets thicker the more that you meditate. And so if you look at a monk's brain, there's like this really thick prefrontal cortex. What that means is just like going to the gym and like doing, you know, reps of like bicep curls or whatever, you literally build a muscle. So over time, there's a cumulative effect of being present and mindful, and it affects your executive function, and it affects your entire life. So even on the days if I don't meditate, because I have worked this muscle, it reorients and changes my brain so that I have more of my own attention. 
So that's where meditation and mindfulness is such an incredible thing because just like playing guitar and your fingers grow stronger, so first they hurt and then after a while they don't, your fingers actually change, your brain actually changes. So then you don't actually need to do it every single day because you start to change your brain in a very real way. However, if I do meditate, it's usually for about 20 minutes, that's it. And I usually listen to some kind of a meditation from either like Wayne Dyer or John Kabat-Zinn is amazing or Joseph Goldstein or Dr. Joe Dispenza, like 20 minutes and I will be able to refocus so I'm not inside the program, but I am witnessing the thought, right? And I am the conscious part of me witnessing my personality. And that's really interesting because it's not about changing the thought or not having the thought. It's just about your relationship to thoughts and no longer taking them all at face value. And that's what meditation does. And it changes your whole life. Okay. Good questions, you guys. Thank you for your golden wisdom nuggets. Much appreciated. I've been following you for years and I feel like I'm on the edge of going to my next big thing. Yes. You should come join us in the quilt tomorrow. It's a membership. It's like real sisterhood. And in addition to the sisterhood, I do coaching in there and it's really fun. And you can join us by going to kathyheller.com slash quilt. Kathy, I'm desperately trying to be in tune with myself and figure out what I'm here to offer the world. How do I find the clarity? So again, Dina, here's the answer. In here, you do know the answer. What happens is our analytical mind, it tells us a lot of stories about how we're not enough and how it's not possible, which literally keeps you from knowing what you know. It puts it all in the blind spot, okay? So one thing to think about is that clarity often follows the action. And what that means is, If I want to buy a wedding dress, I need to go try a few on, right? If I want to choose food for the wedding, I need to go to haste a few caterers, you know, food, right? What we do because we overthink everything is we don't even investigate so that we can get more clarity. We do nothing. And what that really says is, I don't feel courageous enough to even allow myself to move in or lean in because I'm constantly telling myself I'm not enough. Let's say there were three things that you would consider maybe doing or like you can make a list of, if I didn't have to be perfect, I tell my students this a lot, write down 10 things. If I didn't have to be perfect, I would. If I didn't have to be perfect, I would. 10 sentences that start with, if I didn't have to be perfect. And just see what you would try. I would open a bed and breakfast. I would be a ballerina. I would make chocolate chip cookies, whatever it is, right? And then I say, circle the three things that actually feel the most exciting. And then what do you do? Go have lunch with three people who do that. Or go think about four people you can find who do that and DM that person and ask them two questions and see if those people will respond. Like there's so much low-hanging fruit where you can get a little clue. You could shadow someone. You could go to work with someone. You could read a book on it. You could watch a video and go, you know what? I'm whittling this down. There's actually one thing I really want to do. And then you could say, what's my next half step to getting closer to doing that thing? When you really, really look at it, it's not a lack of clarity. It's a lack of action that leads you to finding the clarity. And usually that's because of a courage problem. It's the courage to say, I am allowed to not know for certain all these things. It doesn't mean I'm not good enough. I'm a beginner. And even Lady Gaga was a beginner, right? Let's just be enjoying that process. I think we're all so in the perfection habit, which is a trauma response. Brene Brown said perfectionism is a trauma response. It's because 
You don't want to be criticized. You don't want to feel shame. You're so wired into knowing and needing to know that like you don't even give yourself the grace to play and to be messy and to try things and to iterate. I always say to somebody, if you're interested in writing a book, write a bad chapter. If you're interested in writing a song, give yourself the assignment to write a bad song. And that just gives you the beginning because it takes away all the pressure. And it's amazing what we can do when we don't have the freaking pressure. You are goals. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thanks for being so inspiring. You give me the confidence I need to make moves and the hope it's possible. I'm so glad. And yeah, it's all possible. It's also freaking possible. You know, each one of us is built with the same gear. So it's kind of like, imagine looking at a row of Teslas and assigning that only some of them are meant to like be successful. It's like, no, they're all made with the same equipment. Each one of us has within us the capacity to move into our flow state to get the downloads, to be creative, right? Because every billion dollars ever made came from creativity. What's creativity? Getting out of the analytical program. It's throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's being Will Ferrell in a meeting and saying 14 things that he didn't know he was going to say. That's where all the genius is. But what's required then to be creative and in flow, no matter what your business is, it's the courage to just be in the moment. And when you're in the moment, what does that mean? You're not in fear because fear is control. You're trying to control it. You're trying to predict it. When you're in that place, it's really hard to get anything off the ground. Taking it breezy said, thank you so much for for spreading your love and light. I appreciate you answering my question. I look forward to practicing more radical accountability and humility as you lead. Well, you're already off to such a great start to even be thinking about it in that way. I'm just looking for more questions. What are your top three resources, books, podcasts, episodes, courses that you think would help them get what they want out of their life? Top three resources, books, episodes, podcasts. So I'll tell you, I have, oh, here it is. Okay. So this is Rabbi Aaron's book called Endless Light. And I usually have like 10 copies of this. Oh, here they are. I give a lot of them away. And here's how many I have left. This book is amazing because honestly, uh, Rabbi Yared and Deepak Chopra were on Larry King together once. And Deepak said that Rabbi Aaron says it really well. And I think Rabbi Aaron, you know, felt really touched by that. But that book is all about the oneness of existence and consciousness and how we're all connected and we're all a masterpiece because we're a piece of the master. That's an amazing book. That book changed my life. I'm just looking at my bookshelf. This book right here, you guys, here's one. Seth Godin, this is marketing. Let me tell you something about this book, okay? This book is not about marketing, even though it's really, really all about marketing. This book is about empathy. The reason this works is because business is the ultimate relationship and business and marketing is all a people game and it's all about empathy. It's all really about understanding people. A third book, I know you said it can be a book or a podcast. I'm just looking. Oh, you know what book I loved, which is not on my shelf, but it's one of my very favorite books. I think it's in my room. Oh, this is such a good one. Okay, I'm going to split the difference and give you four books. So this is an amazing book. Wherever you go, there you are. Oh, I've given this away so many times. This book is amazing. This is John Kabat-Zinn's book. It's all about mindfulness. And it will change your life. We just don't know how to be where we are. That's the problem. We're always in the future. And then the other book I was going to tell you about, which is not down here because it's upstairs, is a book by Janine Roth called Women, Food, and God. 
It is an amazing book. It's all about feeling what you need to feel so that you can let it go and uh, heal yourself. And it's an amazing book. Okay, what else? That was a fun question. Thank you for that. No one's ever asked me that. Can you believe that? Would you recommend a one day at a time or go all in when creating an online course? Hmm. So here's how I would create an online course. The very first thing I would do before I just like went out there and tried to get 100 people to take it is I would do a beta version of it. So I would see, you know, let's say I want to teach people how to become vegan. I would find three people in my life who are genuinely curious about knowing how to do that. And I would say, do you want to get together and I'll teach this to you? And I would take my best stab at it, give them a little information. And then at the end, I would say, did I miss anything? What did I not cover? The way that I started my first class, which was for songwriters, get them into the business of songwriting, is I hosted a workshop at my house on a Sunday for 10 people. And I had some notes and I I shared some stuff. And then I said, what did I not cover? What questions do you have? And then from that, we created a part two. And then we did a part three. And after three different times in my house with 10 people, I had a lot more material. And then I rented a theater for like 40 people and we filled it and I taught the next class. And then I took one of the students in that class and I said, can you meet with me and tell me all your questions? And I'll give you as many answers as I have. And from her question, I built the first full online course. And so I think the first step makes a lot more sense. I think the reason we talk ourselves out of starting podcasts, starting courses, starting businesses is because we go all the way to the end. It's like when you get pregnant and then you go to the hospital to have a baby, you don't come home with like a college-aged kid. You know, you come home with a one-day-old, thank God, and then you take the next step and the next step. And most of the time in the beginning, the baby's just sleeping during the day and you're just trying to deal with like night feeding. It's like one step at a time. So the very first thing you should do is teach a messy beta version of it and then get all of the right questions together so that you can be building class. That's what I would say. What do you have credit to your wisdom? Oh my gosh, that's very, very kind. I mean, there's so much I'm still continuously always, always learning, which blows my mind how much I don't know what I don't know all the time. And for anything I do feel like I know, I think wisdom is having had an experience and then you kind of take the emotionality out of it and you, you take away from it wisdom, you know, through your life's journey. I think living in Jerusalem for three years after college, I learned a tremendous amount about seeing the world in just a much bigger way. I also feel like studying meditation at UCLA, I learned a lot. I also feel like I'm constantly looking at my behavior and I'm constantly looking at where am I hitting my edge and how could I be more in alignment and what doesn't feel good and how does that thing that doesn't feel good actually serve as a gift because it's a wake-up call to asking me to be different. And so there's a lot of stuff that I've gained over the years and also reading tons and tons of books. I'm noticing more what I'm triggered by and you suggest to speak my truth. I worry that comes off negative and hurtful to others. Well, it's interesting that we assume that, right? Because when you're really coming from the highest part of yourself, then the intention creates the effect. Because if you're really coming from the greatest truth, then you have love for all beings. And then you can say something and it feels like love, right? 
Because being in a relationship with anyone, being in a relationship with the world, if it's a real relationship, then it should be able to handle you having an opinion or a feeling. That's actually unconditional. And so when you're really coming from love, if you're really in a loving place, then you're not attached to needing people to agree with you, right? It's kind of like if you're, somebody just said to me recently, she wants to do a podcast and she wants to share some things about her mom that were hard for her. And I said, well, you can talk to your mom ahead of time and say, mom, I now know that any meaning I make out of all the things we went through, I have a part to play in that. And I am not a perfect person. And therefore, you don't need to be a perfect person. And at the same time, these things were really painful. And I've decided that it's in my alignment for me to share this. And I love you and I don't need you to like it. But I just, I'm at a place where I need to share it. And when you come from that place, then a person has a choice, right? And you can't own their choice. They can choose to be mad at you, but they can also choose to say, you know what? This is a a very confronting thing because really what I'm confronting is my own shame in not wanting people to know that I'm not perfect. It's like, well, then that's a gift for her that she could let that go because nobody's perfect anyway, right? So no, I don't think it needs to be negative just because you share your truth. I don't think so at all. Uh, How do you gain a clarity for your messaging? You know, every time I am speaking about anything, I'm thinking about two things. What is the pain point of the person I'm speaking to? And I'm also thinking about like, what's the real honest to God intuition that I have in this moment? And when you come from that place, it's amazing how much insight you have. And we've all done that all the time. You know how many times you've like talked to a stranger sitting next to someone at a wedding or on a plane and you just know what to say? You're not just ready, you're over ready. You're so prepared, you just overthink things way too much. Your book, Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. Oh, you're so sweet, Miriam. Um, you know, it's interesting. When my book first came out, I didn't really talk about it because I had my own imposter syndrome and I was like, it's my first book and I could have made it even better. I could have done this, I could have done that. But in hindsight, I want to actually talk about it more because it's a great book. I've now had to read hundreds of books and I don't read all of them, but like I've been sent hundreds of books by publishers to have people on to interview them about their book on the podcast. And this book that I wrote, I'll show it to you. It's actually a great book because so much of what I just said is in this book and it really helps you start to think about what's possible. Is it the best book in the world? No. But is it really worth a read? Yeah. And I actually recorded the Audible version with my own voice, and it's really cool. Like, it'll really set your heart on fire. It'll really make you happy. And I haven't talked about that book. I'm talking about it now. This is the first time I've talked about that book since the week it came out. Literally, the book came out, and I made a decision in my own head that I didn't feel it was worthy to continue to talk about, and I never talked about it again. It's so stupid because I worked on it for a year and a half, and is it, my, is it my greatest work? Is it my Beethoven's fifth? No. But is it a good book? It's a good book. And for whatever it costs to listen to it on Audible, you should listen to it. And I should be talking about it more because it is a great book. And it's the kind of book that makes you feel good and it makes you hopeful and it gives you some nuggets. And that's all I have to say. Jade said, who's your favorite person you've interviewed and why? That is a really hard question 
there's so many people that it is almost impossible for me to answer that question. Like, I think about the friendships I've made. I think about the things I've learned. Like, I get off a call with Seth Godin and my brain, like, gets larger, you know? It's like, I've just had so many cool... I think about interviewing Howard Schultz, who created Starbucks, and what he told me about how he grew up at the last stop of the L train in Canarsie, Brooklyn, living in a tenement. And his mom said, this won't be your last stop. You won't get off here. And now, you know, he's a billionaire. It's just been such an amazing gift. And then I think about interviewing people like Rain Wilson and Andy Grammer and like these kind humans who've come through. And then people I've become friends with, like Cheryl Hines, who I love so much. And I can't believe that like, these people can be so, some of these people become like genuine friends of mine and they're the most supportive. And then we hang out and we become good friends in real life. And that is, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's too hard to answer who's my favorite guest. And I think about Rabbi Aaron and how I bring him on and people are blown away by his lovingness. I think about Rupert Spira, who's understanding of our soul and our ego is just so refined and so beautiful. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I've grown so much from so many of these conversations. Amanda said, I have a terminal illness and I've been stuck in the stick and so hopeless and looking for a reason to fight. Starting the podcast program has given me a purpose to share my hope and miracles. Okay, that's the best thing that I heard all day. And that gives me life. And I'm so grateful that you had the courage to share that and the energy to share that. And I'm just going to hang on a second. I'm just going to send you love and healing and blessing and just this like incredible opening for a whole new experience that feels like ease for you. Have you ever taken a break from family because they weren't bringing the best out of you? Oh my God, are you kidding? I totally understand what you mean. Yes, I think that we all have moments where you're witnessing, you know, what's happening in a room and you're like, all right, this person is just complaining a lot or this person is just in their stuff. And I think that there are moments where you can be the sunshine and you can just still stay in your thing. You know, I think the Dalai Lama probably doesn't have to protect his energy. He's not worried about traffic on the 405 setting him off. He's not going to have road rage. I think if anything, he's just projecting his energy and then he makes the whole day brighter wherever he goes. It's like a sunbeam. At the same time, if you haven't been a, a monk for 40 years of your life, then I think it's healthy to notice, okay, who am I spending time with? Because you become the people you spend time with. And if people around you are negative or they're complaining a lot, that's going to affect you big time. And I think it's healthy to sometimes say, this isn't the best place for me to spend my energy right now. What are early 20s truly about? I'm so anxious about everything. I just turned 22, sending love. Yeah, I mean, they say that the early 20s are like a second adolescence that we go through. And I think it's actually an amazing time because you can just try everything. You can just have the wind at your back. And, you know, when I was in my 20s, I like went to Jerusalem not knowing where I'd live or how I'd be. I would just like, I'm just going to go there and see how long I'm going to stay. And I stayed and I stayed and I stayed and I wound up being there for a couple of years. And 
that's something I could only do in my 20s because now I have kids and they go to school and we have a life and that's what that is. And I think it's a really cool time to to open up to the unknown. It's also a really cool time to learn to meditate because here's the thing. The brain is so wired to be afraid of the unknown, even though, think about it, you already know what the known is. The known is the past. The known is the predictable. It's what you've already experienced. Most of the things you're actually afraid of are the things that you've already experienced. So the brain tells you that the unknown is scary and that having too much unknown is scary because the brain registers anything as new as scary. But really, all the mystical, beautiful, synchronistic surprises are all because you step into the unknown. So I think it's good to start a practice in your 20s. You should read John Kabat-Zinn. That's how I started my meditation practice. Question is, what's your best advice on navigating a partner with a partner that's still stressed about money? Listen, that kind of stuff is everywhere. Okay, a lot of people grew up and still have a lot of really, really tough beliefs around a lot of things, including money. For some reason, money has become such a burden in people's minds with so much garbage when really it's like, when was the last time people had all those negative thoughts about Wi-Fi? Or when was the last time people had all these negative thoughts about water? Like, how much water did you, because like, it's just something with money, the way that money has been talked about, depicted, the story that we have about it in our culture is greed. The story we have about money in our culture is money is the root of all evil. So there's just so much of that that if you say something so many times, people will believe it. And then it gets like embedded into their subconscious mind. So even when their conscious mind is like, that's not true, their subconscious is like, it is true. Like, I was told this. I know it. It's like something you believe is just a thought you've repeated, right? So when people have a bad belief about anything, it's just a thought they've repeated so many times. Now it's a belief. That's a problem, right? We have to question our beliefs. We have to look at it. Like, is it serving you? Does it make you feel joyful? Does it bring you goodness in your life? If it doesn't, you should question that belief, right? So with money, there's just so much gunk that people get stuck in it. And so one thing I think is interesting since we can't control people outside of us is to notice why that's really a trigger for us, right? Because sometimes what we do is we tell ourselves these really juicy thoughts like, I would be abundant and I would be in flow if he changes. And the only way that I can access my abundance is if he gets on board you know what, my husband and I have such different beliefs around money and spend money so differently, earn money so differently. He grew up with so much scarcity and also to his credit, he grew up with so much consciousness around how money does not define you at all. He is so happy wearing his hoodie sweatshirt every single day. He doesn't ask people what you do, what do you do for a living? He doesn't define himself by like fancy watches. He really is such a pure person. And other side is that he feels like, you know, money can be superficial. It could be a big problem. It can be a lot of pressure because then you're in over your head. He grew up with no money and a father that passed away when he was a kid and they lived in a rent-controlled little apartment building and they had very little. So my money story is very different. And for whatever the reason, though, I don't need him to think like me. I'm like, this is perfect. God put you, you know, in my life and you're the way you are. And I'm like, 
Money is everywhere. Money is like Wi-Fi. It's all around us. It's like just plug right into it. So I think it's about the meaning you make out of people in your life who think differently than you. It's not a problem if you don't need them to change. If you do need them to change, that's a problem. What I find, though, is that if you go do you, you often have a giant influence on the people around you because usually the highest coherence in the room is what elevates everything in the room. And so if you just focus your attention, not on him, but where you need to be focused and you're focusing and you're in your own abundance, you become a swirl for that. You become a magnet. And it doesn't matter then what he's got going on. That's just my two cents. Do I believe in manifestation? One zillion percent. And I also think that people mean totally different things when they say it, right? There are so many words. It's like telling somebody in Alaska that it's snowy where you live. They think of snow so differently than you do. They use the same words, but they mean them totally differently, right? Some people, you know, when you're in eighth grade, you might say you love someone and that love is the word you're using, but it's such a different word love than when you're 88 and you've been married all these years and you've gone through stress together and pain and you say you love someone. So do I believe in manifestation? A zillion percent. That's what's happening all day long, all the time. You are creating the world that you live in by your perception. But do I mean it the way everybody means it? No. It's so fascinating the way people talk about it, how people have all kinds of ways of talking about it. And I talk about it in a very different way than most people. Um, Rabbi Aaron taught me an amazing way to see the world and not as the law of attraction, but the law of reception and that the world is basically a radio and everything is a radio. Everything emits a vibration. Everything emits a frequency. And you are the radio, right? So when your radio is tuned to a certain thing, you hear a certain song. When your radio is tuned a different way, you hear a different song. And that is manifestation because it you are the receiver. So what are you receiving? Whatever you're receiving. Where's your receiver tuned? So a lot of people's receiver is tuned to the world is shit. Well, that's what they get. A lot of people's receiver is tuned to there's no money anywhere. I was like, then you have no music playing. And some people's receiver is tuned to I love my life. I'm so grateful. I love the 15 shades of green outside my window. I'm so excited about what's in store today. There's so many clues everywhere. I love that I get to wake up. I'm so excited to meet the next new person. I mean, it's like you're a big receiver at that point. So there's a lot. There's a lot that we can say about manifesting. And I I talk about it and I teach it in my own way that I know to be true. How did you find and attract your perfect customer? So the perfect customer, here's the big reveal ready, is you. You are your customer. Your perfect customer is someone just like you. And so how do you serve that person? You think about who are you five minutes ago? Who are you before you solved this problem? Before you, let's say you teach somebody organizing. Well, why did you need to learn organizing in your life? You were your first student and you talked to someone just like you. This is what I was like. This is what was going on. And now I have these ideas. And then, and everything you are, you bring to the table, right? So I teach business, but I also teach spirituality. So my thing is entrepreneurs who are soulful, they come to me, right? And it's perfect. And then there are some people who are like, I'm not into anything woo. I'm not into spirituality. And I want to learn business from someone who knows funnels. It's like, great. 
Then there's people who are like, like Pat Flynn. He's like, I love teaching people podcasting and I'm also obsessed with Legos. And it's like, great. The people who are obsessed with Legos and are interested in business, he's perfect for them. So your perfect customer is someone a lot like you, which is why you can bring your whole self to the table. You could be the mom who's also interested in uh, a book club, who's also interested in business, who also um, loves polka dots and vintage clothing, and you'll be just like your customer. And that's what makes it so fun. That's why there's enough room for everyone. Trinise said, I booked my flight for your retreat. I can't wait to be with you in LA. That is so awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm doing a retreat actually at my house. We moved into this beautiful new house overlooking the hills. And uh, I think we have room for like a few more people. And anyway, this felt so good. This was so much fun. I, I loved all your questions. I love the combination of the questions that there was like strategic questions, but there were also like bigger picture questions. I just love you guys. I think you are so bright and it is such a pleasure to talk with you. I just love this community. I mean, think about it. I just like open my phone. Like anyone can show up on these lives and the kind of goodness that you guys bring, you got to give yourself credit for that. Like that is a gift. I'm aware. I love you very much. And thank you. If you want to do more of this, you should be in The Quilt, which is a membership that I host. We meet once a week. We hang out. We have real conversations. We're on Zoom. We meditate together. And there's some coaching going on in there. And it's really, it's such a cool place for women to truly create real support and witness each other. We talk about the highs. We talk about the lows. We do prompts like, you know, what's the, grossest thing that happened to you today and what's the best thing that happened to you today and people get really close really quickly you can go to kathyheller.com slash quilt to join us and you can use the code love for a discount this was so much fun i appreciate you so much and we'll do this again soon all right well that was really fun i love doing these q a's with you guys here are the takeaways number one you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to wind up being great give yourself a giant permission slip to be mediocre at first let's just enjoy that process Give yourself the grace to play, to be messy, to try things and iterate. Number two, when they zig, you need to zag. You get to do it your way. That is what makes you stand out in business. Number three, put something on your calendar that makes you scared because it helps you to get over your fear. It challenges you and makes you step into growth. That's the thing your soul wants more than anything. Number four, successful people take radical responsibility. We don't blame other people for things because that is a loser's bet. When you take radical responsibility, you can see the gift and the lesson in everything. Number five, our greatest act of free will is choosing to focus our own mind in a better way. When you change your focus and you see the clues that the universe is net positive, you see a completely different life staring back at you. You start to feel more in flow. You get more ideas. You become more generous and life starts to be so amazing. Number six, it doesn't matter what people are saying about you. It's none of your business. The only thing you need to do is be in the world as you're supposed to be. Be available for those people who are willing to see you as you are. Get out there, be yourself, and let it go. Number seven, you're not actually in it for the result. You're in it for the satisfaction you get from stretching yourself. The greatest feeling is not having an achievement. It's who you become in creating that achievement in your life. Courage itself is the reward. Number eight, open up to the unknown. All the mystical, beautiful, synchronistic surprises are all because you step into the unknown. Thank you so much for listening. I know that there's just so much going on 
And I'm so grateful that you're here. We have so many good episodes that are coming up. So please make sure that you follow us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you feel inclined, please leave us a review. In fact, we're going to be doing giveaways every single day of this workshop I'm hosting. And one of the things we're giving away today is an Apple computer, a whole Apple desktop, just for people who review the podcast. So come and enjoy that. Leave a review, show up for the workshop, and maybe you will win an Apple computer. And if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please send the link. Please go ahead right now and send the link or post about this on your Instagram. I hope to see you in this free workshop. Remember that you can join us for free at kathyheller.com slash passion. And if you want to upgrade, you can go to kathyheller.com slash upgrade to be with me for an extra hour every day, to be part of the Q&As and to get the workbooks as well. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you soon. Spinning circles in your head